Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Personal revival is one of our greatest spiritual needs. Revival means an awakening of our passion for God, drawing near to God, experiencing a renewal of His purpose in our lives. King David shows us the way to personal revival out of his own experience in Psalm 51. He moves through three phases of personal revival as he pours out his heart to God in prayer in Psalm 51. Now, he wrote this psalm right after his failure his adultery with Bathsheba. And he came back to the house of God and poured his heart out and experienced personal revival. In our first part of this teaching, we saw that the psalm opens with his admission of guilt. He comes clean before God. He admits his culpability and he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness and blot out all my transgressions. He says, Lord, against you and you only have ascended and done what is evil in your sight that you may be justified when you judge and prove right according to your verdict. And that's the first step of personal revival is to admit our failures and our mistakes and our sins. Don't cover them up or don't hide them or don't deny them, but come clean before God and experience cleansing. And today you can experience this cleansing of your heart. And as soon as David poured his heart out, he experienced the miracle of cleansing and forgiveness. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. Tremendous peace will come into your heart when you get honest before God. And when I'm honest with God and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and I call on your grace. It's amazing the spiritual miracle that takes place in a person's heart and mind and soul when divine cleansing comes. And so he talks about the power of cleansing to understand spiritual cleansing of sin and failure, beginning with verses 7 through 12 in this psalm. He talks about the fact of cleansing. Verse 7, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be quieter than snow. Let's stop right there. What is that word hyssop? Hyssop is a little branch, kind of looks like mistletoe, if you're familiar with that, and I'm sure you are where on the day of the Passover, the priest took a little bit of a hyssop branch and dipped it in a a tiny bit of the blood of the land that had been prepared for a meal. And that's what he used to to sprinkle. And in the Passover in Egypt, in the first one, when the head of every household had the Passover meal for the first time, the head of every household took a little hyssop branch and dipped it in just a little of the blood of the lamb and he sprinkled it at the top and the sides of the doorpost, making really the sign of the cross of Christ. So that's what he means. And the priest would use the hyssop in the temple worship at times. And David understood that image that just to sprinkle a little bit of the blood that represented cleansing and atonement and covering for sin. So he says, cleanse me with hyssop. Lord, cover my sins. That's what it means. Cleanse them and wash them away. He says, wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. I made the mistake one time of doing some laundry for Barbie when she was not home. She does all the laundry. She didn't want me to mess around with it because probably this day, I'm always in a hurry. I like to do things fast. I just threw all the colors and the whites. I threw it all into one wash machine and 
Obviously, the things that were white came out pink and blue and ruined everything. Whiter than snow, nothing stained anymore. That's what it means. He said, I want you to wash my soul, my mind. Think about that. No stain of sin, no memory, no lingering guilt where you blame yourself for year after year after year where you can't move past your failures. Cleanse me, Lord. Wash me in the blood of Christ. Spiritual cleansing. You see, that's an interesting, how does the blood of Christ cleanse? Do you know that the blood that moves through your veins is moving because it's cleansing your arteries? That's what moves. It's removing all the impurities out of your arteries and your vital organs. There's a cleansing power to blood. That's why the Bible uses that analogy. It says in Revelation 7 and 14 that we've washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It's an analogy to the cleansing power of blood in the human body. He says, I want the blood of Christ the atonement blood to wash my soul whiter than snow. Verse 80 says, let me hear joy and gladness. You see, when you're cleansed, you'll hear joy and gladness. If you're not cleansed, all you can hear is your own conscience condemning you. Your conscience reminding you of your failures and your shortcomings. The devil comes along and constantly brings up the past and the Bible calls him the accuser of God's people. But when you're cleansed, you can now hear joy and gladness. He said, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. In other words, when David repressed his guilt and didn't deal with his guilt, he felt illness and weakness in his physical body. Do you know that guilt will do that? Guilt has a debilitating effect upon the human body, just like anxiety does. We call it psychosomatic illnesses. When the psychic trauma of a person, when the negative emotions, when the fear and the guilt is so strong in a person that it begins to weaken their physical body, psychosomatic illness. That's what David felt because he covered his sin up at first. He wouldn't admit it before God. He denied it. He got physically sick. In fact, you can read about him talking about his own sickness from guilt in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 8. He talks about the fact that God's hand was heavy upon him. That means he felt the guilt that his bones were wasting away through my groaning all day long. He writes clearly about it in Psalm 32. And this is his psalm of when he came before God and poured out his heart and confessed his sin. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. In other words, I've been physically sick from my guilt, but I want to be well again. You know, sometimes people's healing is connected to forgiveness and cleansing of their soul. Verse 9, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my transgression, my iniquity. There's that word uncleanness again. Normally, he prays, turn your face toward me, right? That's seeking the favor of God. Seeking the favor of God in the Hebrew is literally seeking the face of God. When God looks upon us and smiles upon us and blesses us. But here he says, hide your face from my sins. Lord, don't, don't look at my sins. I don't want you to see them anymore. So he knows if God blots out his iniquity, he can't see it anymore. We call that these retracted documents when you can print out a transcription, but then you can take a, a mark and just blot it out, cover it up. You can't read what's under it. That's what he says, Lord, blot out all my transgressions. He began this psalm by praying, blot out all my transgressions. Here he comes back to it, God, hide your face from my sins. The only way to do that is to cover it with the blood of Jesus. The word atonement means to cover. When you cover something, you can't see it anymore. God doesn't see it anymore. and He wants us to stop looking at our failures. So forgiveness is real. It can be experienced in our hearts. And then there's a feeling that comes when you're cleansed. When you're cleansed, you feel better spiritually. The same is true physically. 
I used to work on construction sites some when I was in college, summer jobs, and you get really dirty on a construction job, especially uh, one downtown. I worked on the Martyr Project, worked down in tunnels sometimes, and worked down in the ditches, and you get really dirty. And it feels good to be cleansed. It feels good to spiritually be cleansed. And the same is true of your soul. The feeling of being cleansed. People sometimes discount emotion from spirituality. That's There's nothing further from the truth that spirituality isn't emotional. Yes, it is. Real spirituality, real connection with God, real the work of God on our lives affects the spirit, mind, and body, including our feelings. And he felt much better when he confessed his sins and came before God. He felt the impact of the cleansing of God's grace in his soul. Verse 10, create within me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. There's that word revival, renew. I want a fresh start, a steadfast spirit, one committed to you. Verse 11, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. I understand the desperation of that prayer. Personally, I understand it. Lord, don't ever take your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Now, some people say, well, God won't do that. I understand that. But when you're down and when you've fallen and you're down on yourself and all you can see is your failure and you feel so ashamed, it doesn't feel like that. So I understand the desperation and the honesty. I've prayed it myself. Lord, don't ever cast me out of your presence no matter what I've done. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David didn't want to lose his relationship with God. That's what's so beautiful about David's life, and it needs to be true about us, and you can, it can be true in your life. Your relationship to God can be the most important thing to you, and it was with him. And he didn't want his failure with Bathsheba and his sins and his denial. He didn't want, at the end of the day, to be cast from his presence or to take the Holy Spirit. Notice David didn't say, Lord, don't, Stop me from being the king. Many people say, Lord, don't let my life situation change. It didn't matter to him if he was the king or not anymore. He didn't start as a king. He didn't try to hold on to his position of power. He just didn't want to be cast out of God's presence. He didn't care if he got thrown out of the kingdom. Because his relationship with God is more important than his status and his position. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore to me, there's a revival, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me, a spirit willing to submit to you and to follow you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Look at that phrase, the joy of your salvation. Yes, when you are saved, not just saved from the moment of being born again and accepting Jesus, but when you're saved out of a situation or saved from your failure, there is great joy in salvation. There's the emotional reality of salvation. There's great joy in being cleansed and being revived and experiencing the blessings and the presence of God. In fact, I tell you, there's nothing greater. There is no greater joy than the blessing and favor of God in your life. And you can experience it in your own life. You too, no matter what you have done or what failure you've experienced or mistakes you've made or what sins you've committed, you can bring it all to God today and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Create within me a clean heart. Immediately, immediately, God's spirit will rescue you and revive you and restore you and cleanse you and give you new joy this very moment, this very day. And he got it from that place affirming his calling on his life, that God's calling had not changed in spite of his failure. You see, failure is not final in your life if you don't want it to be. David could have quit. He could have been so discouraged. He could have been so down on himself. He just resigned, but he didn't. 
You see, God's calling remains even when we fall. Romans eleven twenty nine says God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. And even though David had failed as we all fail, maybe not to the greatness of the extent he failed, we all feel guilty at times. We feel ashamed. We feel inadequate. It does not change God's calling on our lives. And he realized that. And he was, he was man enough to go on with this calling, even though he was embarrassed. He could have quit, but he carried on. And God wants you to carry on, to get up from where you are, to experience revival and cleansing, and to continue in the calling of God in your life. And he had a calling to proclaim. He realized that even though he had fallen, he still it was a teacher of Israel. He had the word of God to bring. He was a leader. He needed to bring God's word. You see, God's word is perfect, even though we're not. We don't, you don't have to have perfect people to proclaim a perfect gospel. The gospel is perfect. The word of God is true. And yes, it comes through broken people that have lived sometimes through great pain and failure, but the word of God is always true. And when somebody falls around you, don't say, well, God's word's not true. That's not true. They're sinners in need of grace like you and I are. So he said, I have a calling to keep telling people about God's grace. That's why we have all these Psalms. These Psalms are full of tremendous truth about who God is and the relationship. And he continued to write these songs. Verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways. You say, how can he do that? He's a hypocrite. He was a transgressor. Everybody's a transgressor. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you get back up. We're living witnesses of God's cleansing and mercy. So he embraced his calling. Teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you because that's what happened to him. He had a living testimony. He was telling others, you can get back too. You can be forgiven too. You can get back up. He also had a calling to praise God. As so many of these beautiful Psalms he, he gives us, he was such a great worship leader and taught us how to praise God. Even though he had fallen, he still was a worship leader because part of worship is learning how to get back up. And part of worship is praising God that his grace is greater than our sin. Verse 14, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, for you are my God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. He wanted to be delivered from the feeling, the shame, where he could get back up and proclaim and sing of God's righteousness to the world. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Because at that point, he was so discouraged and so down, he couldn't praise. But when he was forgiven and cleansed, now he began to praise God again. God wants you to open your mouth today and praise him. Bring him your failures, your sins, get cleansed, get a new start today. And proclaim the goodness of God to others. Declare his praise. He says of God in verse 16, Lord, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrary, contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. I love that. He said, I might bring in you a traditional offering. Just going through the rituals, Lord, my sacrifice is me, a broken spirit. I come as a broken man. And I know, Lord, that you'll not despise that. You see, God loves openness and honesty and humility. Come before God, be genuine, be real with him. God will forgive you, cleanse you, lift you up. And third of all, he had a calling to pray, not just to proclaim and to praise, but he had a calling to pray for others. So he begins to pray for the people of Israel that they too would have revival. Verse 18, may it please you to prosper Zion. Israel is the Zion of God. The church is the Zion of God to build up the walls of Jerusalem. 
then you, God, will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Bulls will be on your altar. That was a prayer for national revival because in those holy festivals of tabernacles and the feast of, t- of the temples and the Passover and the Day of Atonement, they would have these great covenant meals together and they would all make offerings to God and that became a meal for the people. He was really praying for a revival in the nation of Israel that worship would return and others would experience revival as well. You and I can experience personal revival. Those lowest points of our lives, we can come before God and we can invent our culpability and say, Lord, against you and you only of a sin and none what is evil in your sight. We can experience divine cleansing. Cleanse me, O God. Wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. And then we can reaffirm our calling. No matter how you have fallen or made mistakes or gotten off track, God's calling is on your life. You have a calling also to proclaim his word to others. You have a ministry to people in your family, to your friends. You don't have to be perfect to do it. You just gotta be honest and genuine and real. You have a calling to praise God. Maybe you're down today, maybe you're depressed. You gotta shake that spirit off. Open your mouth like he said. Lord, open my mouth that I may once again declare your praise. Open my lips, he said. I want to just let your praise pour out. I'm tired of just pouring out nothing but my failures. I want to praise God again. You too have a calling to praise God. And you have a calling to pray for others. And that's how we end this teaching on a plan for personal revival. To pray for revival, not only for us, but for others. Let's join together in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you're the God of revival and the God of restoration. That we're sending abound in the world and in our hearts grace does much more abound. Lord, revive us as your people. We pray for our family and our friends today that you'll send true spiritual revival, that you'll turn their hearts to you. We pray for our nation today and the world that you'll open the windows of heaven, pour out divine grace and power and blessings and miracles. We pray that you'll send revival, a spiritual awakening to this nation and to our world in this generation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me today. Do me a favor, make sure you get the Mount Parent app and also follow me on social media. And also if you will subscribe to my podcast and share with others, you can be a tremendous blessing as we share the word of God with others. You can hear all the messages that I preach and special teachings that I bring by subscribing to my podcast. I want to thank you for your commitment to the Mount Parent ministry. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and your family in church this Sunday as we worship the Lord together. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Parent Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Parent Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.